Welcome to Lakeside Church's message podcast. Our prayer is that you fall in love with Jesus, find your church family, live in freedom, and be active in your purpose. Let's join the message already in progress. Um, we're going to turn to the book of Colossians. If you have your Bible, we're going to start in chapter 1. And um, while you're turning there, I want to say a, a prayer. God, we thank you that we can gather here. We thank you for chairs to sit in, for AC, Lord. Thank you, God, for air conditioning. We thank you for your grace, for your mercy that's new every morning. God, for your forgiveness, for your favor, for your strength. And now, Lord, we come to your word, which is an amazing message. God, give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and just speak to us this morning. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. As you're flipping to Colossians chapter 1, I want to show you this just because I would like to see more of this right here. Um, on the first Sunday of every month, we're trying to get somebody to give a testimony. I think testimonies are important. When you go through something difficult or something hard and God brings you through it, when you can stand up and say, hey, this is, this is what was going on, this is how God showed up, and this is the change that Jesus did in my life, other people are blessed. So somebody, I won't tell you who, they wrote out a testimony and they said, Chris, I'm, I'm not ready to share it yet, but I want you to look through it. And I think that when you're going to give a testimony, all right, I'm going I'm to be honest here, all right, I'm not going to lie. When you stand up and ramble, people don't like that. All right, nobody point fingers, but let's just say people don't like that. But when you can take a few minutes and get your thoughts out on paper and figure out what you're going to say and how you're going to give glory to, to Jesus, um, it is important. So if anybody would like to give a testimony coming up in the in next month, the first Sunday in August, I'd love to have someone come up to me and say, Chris, I'd like to share what God has done or is doing in my life. And if you're, if you're a little bit scared or maybe it's, um, you know, testimonies are personal. And you want to write a powerful thing, and we need to do more of that as a church. So that's my, um, my little thing right there. Also, I'll give one more announcement just because I think it's important. Um, you know, I think God has big things for this church. I think God is doing great things in the people in this church. Um, and I think we need to do better with our kids' ministry. And the only way that's going to happen is if some people step up. So I'm going to put it on you, and we got school starting, and I know people will be traveling the next few weeks, but life's going to settle down in a few weeks, and people are going to come, and, when, and, and I have five kids, so when I show up somewhere with my kids, it's important that I know my kids are safe, that my kids are loved, that my kids are getting um, good teaching and understanding, and so if, if you could pray and start to ask two Sundays a month, it could be as simple as checking people in in the front um, or even, you know, working with different age groups. But see Jonathan, see Jesse about that, because I think if we can, we can get that rolling, um, you know, COVID kind of changed the way we did things, but if we can get that rolling, I think that would be good for the church and good for the kids. But enough of that. Let's go to Colossians chapter 1. So we'll put verse 1 on the screen. It says, Paul. This book was written by Paul to the people in Colossae. They're called Colossians, that's what they are called. And it says, Paul, 
an apostle of Jesus, or sorry, of Christ Jesus, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother. See how together and what these words mean. Um, this book is is really. I mean, it's more than that, but it is an instruction manual for our life. Like, if we, if we understand God's principles and, and God's teaching and God's truth and who Jesus is and what he means, we'll be able to live life better. Do you know everything nowadays comes with an instruction book, even a chainsaw, all right? I saw one, a picture of a chainsaw. It's like, don't put it under your arm while you crank the thing. And I'm like, duh. But they put that there because somebody's done that. And they're like, we need to tell them not to do that. You know, your computers, your TVs, everything has these books, and they, they tell you how everything works. And if you're like me and probably a lot of guys and maybe some ladies, um, I don't look at the instruction book. I start putting it together, and if it doesn't work, well, then I look at the book. And that's fine for a lawnmower or for a chainsaw or for a TV, but you don't want to live life that way. You don't want to just start living your life and trying to figure it out, and then when things go bad, then you go back to the book and you're like, oh, man, I shouldn't have done that. Start with the book. And he says, Paul, an apostle. That's a word that um, has so much meaning in it. The apostles were people in the, in the New Testament that they, they saw the risen Lord, they they, they learned from his teaching. Paul was, was not one of the original 12, but Jesus had mercy on him. And while he was a murderer and a, um, you know, breathing out murderous threats against the church, Jesus found Paul and made him an apostle. That word means people that are sent somewhere for a mission and usually the starting of churches, the establishing of groups of Christians. And, and that's who Paul was. He did that. Um, and it, but it says, of Christ. See, that word of, like that, that tells you the source. They call Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth. You ever heard that? It's because that's where he came from. That's where he grew up. That's the area that shaped him. Paul was called Paul of Tarsus or Saul of Tarsus because that's, that's where he came from. And, and what I want you to understand, because Paul had a ministry Paul had a calling, Paul had a purpose, and it's not the same as yours. I doubt anybody in this room, no offense, myself included, is called to do what Paul did. We're not writing scripture, because that's weird and that's not good, but, but Paul knew he had a, a mission as an apostle, but the source was from Christ. Christ was the source. He was where this calling came from. And so you may not have Paul's. In fact, you don't. I'm going to be honest. You don't have Paul's calling. But wherever your calling is, whatever you were created to do for the Lord, it comes from Christ. Like he should be your source. You should feed off of him. You should learn from him. In fact, we should be full of him and overflowing. And, and so maybe yours, your, your letter wouldn't say Paul, an apostle, but it might say, you know, um, Emmerich, a, a worship leader of Christ. Like, like that's where her strength comes from. Or a children's minister of Christ, somebody that, that knows that God has called them for something, and it's not a call from people. It's a call from God. And when God calls us, we should accept that call. 
We should be faithful with that call. We should, we should be active in our calling, whatever it is. And, and I'm not here to sit and say I know what all of our callings are in this room, but whatever it is, the source is Jesus. And then it says, by the will of God. God has a will. God has a purpose. God has a design. The source is from Christ. Christ gives us the strength and the grace and the mercy and the power to, to be about God's will, the things that God wants. And God still has a will today. God's not done working today. God's not done moving today. God, God still loves the world. And he still loves his church and he has this big plan, and I'm going to try to make it as simple as possible. He wants to take people that are far from him, bring them into relationship with him, and disciple them. And that word means to learn, to study, to, to grow. He has a whole new way of life that is unlike the world. So those are the two gentlemen that are writing the letter. Paul wrote it with the assistance of Timothy. We're not exactly sure how Timothy assisted, but Paul's saying that he did. And he says, to the saints and the faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. To the saints. That word saint, you know, you might get an image um, of maybe like a statue or something. You know, my, my family has a lot of Catholic roots and they have saints that are statues and they call that saint so-and-so and the other saint and this saint. And He's not saying you're that. The word saint means set apart. See, we're of Christ, our sources from Christ, but, but we're set apart from this world. And you've got to understand this concept. You've got to know that, that God wants to set you apart for his own. And he calls all of us, those that are in Christ, saints, set apart people. They're the special people. Like, like God has a... a, a a special place in his heart for his people. And he sets them apart. And then he calls them faithful brothers. Man, a faithful brother. There's some faithful brothers, that I, people that I consider my brothers that are faithful in this room. Faithful to the Lord. Not perfect people. I don't know anybody in this room that's perfect, but, but people that have been faithful to the Lord, that have accepted Christ, that have said, I'm going to follow you, Jesus. And when things are easy, they follow. And when things are difficult, they follow. And they're faithful. Jesus can count on them. Can he count on us? And not only is there this faithfulness to God, but, but there's this idea of being a faithful brother that your brothers and your sisters, they can count on you, that, that you, you do, the only thing you worked on this week was, was to be a person that was faithful, that, that said they were going to show up and showed up, said they were going to do X and they did X, like there's a faithfulness. And when you find a faithful brother, here's an encouragement, or a faithful sister, man, keep those people close. Because there's some people, and I look around the room and I count you as these people, there's some people that you can count on. Um, the, Chris and Cynthia, who led worship up here, when we came, it was 2014, and we were thinking about moving to Lexington, and we, never, we didn't know anybody here, and we were kind of checking the place out and scouting it out, um, Chris and Cynthia came with us. 
they were praying about, are they going to move here with us and help start the church? And, you know, they didn't hear God. They missed God and stayed in Missouri. <laughs> so pray for them. But, you know, hey, nobody's perfect. But I'll say they're faithful brothers and sisters. There's people that, that you can, they can, I can count on. I, I, when you find those people, man, cherish those relationships. When you find the faithful brothers, the faithful sisters, you know what? There's going to be issues, but expect it and deal with it. Love people. Forgive people. Hold them close. Because, I mean, the, the one thing we have in church is we have the ability to be a part of the family of God. One of our purposes here is that people would find a church family. And it's this idea that, that our family is bigger than our bloodline. I consider people in this room my family, my people that we will spend eternity with each other. And if, you know, I'm going to tell you, if, if we're going to be spending eternity with the Lord and with each other, we might want to work some things out here first couple thousand years could be awkward up there. You're like, I'm not going to that cloud. Kevin's over there. But, 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 but find those brothers. Be those brothers. Are one. And you, you be faithful to the Lord and you be faithful to people that you love. And I'm going to tell you, as you act that way, you'll find the people that, that understand that. And you might get hurt. People might let you down. People might, actually, you will get hurt. Actually, people will let you down. But as you, as you keep living that way, you'll begin to find more and more people in Christ's body that you know you're, you're, they're your brothers or they're your sisters. And then he says, grace to you. Grace to you and peace from God our Father. This word grace... So we're two verses into this, this letter. This word grace is God's favor. Church, grace to you. May God's favor that you don't deserve be all over your life. May God's grace rest richly. You know, like part of what I wanted to do today is, is I want to say a blessing. Like, let God's favor just come on your life. Accept the fact that he loves you for no other reason but because he chose to. You didn't make him love you. He didn't like, he is love. And he's sharing it with you and that grace. And the other thing, it says peace. Man, we live in a, a place where people don't have peace anymore. If you battle with anxiety, like, uh, grace to you and peace. But I was talking with somebody, and they're like, yeah, this guy is so nervous, he doesn't even drive. He doesn't even drive. That's not how God's people are supposed to live. Now, can somebody in this room have that level of anxiety? Sure. But is that God? We should have a boldness. We should have a confidence. And so peace, not peace on the outside, but peace to you. The kind of peace that you can stand in a stormy whether in a ship, and whether Jesus is calming the waves or if he hasn't gotten yet to calm them, there's peace in your heart, a rest, a trust. See, see these, are, these are two of the most important things.
Man, my prayer is that you leave here with grace, an understanding of God's favor, and that you leave here with peace from God. The Bible talks about a peace that passes understanding. One thing about the people in this, this room is that a lot of you guys are really smart. You're smart people. You're, you're, you think things through, you know, whether you've been to college or not, you're smart people. But there's a peace that's bigger than our brains, bigger than the way we figure things out. And it's this peace that comes from the fact that we are loved and accepted in Christ. And then he says, from God our Father. See, my hope and my prayer is that you, you really know God as your Father. You, like, for those of you who are fathers, there, there's just something that happens. Like, I really don't like kids in general. No offense to kids. I have five kids. But when they're your family, you're just happy. My boys, we, we had a birthday party, a quinceanera for my daughter, and they got these little suits. And they were fired up to have a suit. They had their tie on, a little jacket. I gave them one of tie clips. And it, there's just some joy that I was just like, look at these guys. There, there's a joy that comes in your heart. And it was funny because I could see that they were trying to act like me. And that just made it, made it even better. And, and in some way, I don't know how God experiences things because I'm not God, but in some way, God has similar feelings to like him. You know, even people like Chris, he's like, oh, he's so cute. Look at him. Look at her. There's, there's just this, this love that God has for us as father. All right, verse 3. So remember, Paul is writing this. That was just his introduction, but I wanted to unpack it a little bit. And then he goes and he says, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. You know, your prayer life, you want to take your prayer life to the next level? Learn how to do this, to always thank God. Sometimes we come to God and we just want to list all the different things we need help with. All the things that are wrong, all the things that aren't right, all the anxieties that we have. But when you go into prayer and you start to thank God, you start to remember his blessings. Like, thank you, God. Like, when I said today, thank you for air conditioner, I meant it. And you might say, well, Chris, that's not something to be that thankful for. Yes, it is. I'd be a hot, sweaty mess. A hundred years ago, if we were around... I'd just be that guy, sticky and sweaty, and none of us would live here. Come on, let's be honest. <laughs> South Carolina would be hard to live in. No, we would, but, but it's still a grateful heart. But not just thanking God for things, but thanking God for people. We always thank the God of our Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. See, a lot of people want a ministry like Paul. When I say a ministry like Paul, wouldn't you like to have a ministry where you can lead people to Christ? 
and not only get them to say maybe a prayer or have a realization that Jesus died on the cross and rose again, but that you could disciple them and see somebody come from, from being far from him to getting close to him and, and people that were not a forgiving people. Now they're people that forgive and people that were not a loving people now that they love and, and you'd like to have that type of ministry. Anybody would, like to, would anybody like to do that? Make a difference in people's lives? was the way he prayed for his people. We pray for you guys. Every Sunday we pray at 9.30. I would encourage, I would love more people in that room. You want to know an easy way? I really would love for everybody to serve this church in one way or the other. But to come and to sit up there at 9.30 and, and just pray for the church. Pray, I pray for, for God to, to bless you and to work in you and to to teach you and to correct you. And when I say you, I mean us. It says, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for the saints. So you know how you can tell when there's faith in someone's heart. Do you want to know if someone believes in the Lord? There's also love there. Because something, it's, it's a miracle. God does a miracle. When you put your faith in Christ and you put your trust in his forgiveness and his mercy, all of a sudden you become a forgiving person and a, and a loving person. And there's, there's a love that comes into you, especially for God and his people. It says your love for all the saints... Those of you that have been walking with the Lord, have you, have you for a while, have you noticed that when you meet a fellow believer, even if they don't go to your church or go to your small group, or maybe believe exactly like you believe about everything, but isn't there something in your heart that when you meet somebody, you're just like, there's this spiritual thing that they believe in Jesus, I believe in Jesus. We, we have a closeness that, that, that is very family-oriented. And it says, the love you have for all the saints. It says, because of the hope that is laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel. There's a hope. You, we should be the most hopeful people in the world. We have a hope laid up for us. That means it's stored, waiting for us. It's not like when we get to heaven. Have you ever had guests come over and you're not ready for them? And you're like, oh, let me get you something. We have water and milk. You like milk? But it's not like you're going to get to heaven and God's going to be like, they're here. It worked. No, he has, he has something laid up. It's, I don't know what it is. The scripture says, eye has not seen nor ear heard. I couldn't even explain what God has prepared for you, but there's something there, and it's already made. It's already prepared. Jesus said, I go away to prepare a place for you. He's been working on this for 2,000 years. Now, just put that into perspective. If the guy who could raise the dead or multiply the fishes and the loaves in an instant. 
Jesus could raise the dead in an instant, heal the leper in an instant, multiply the loaves in an instant. If he has that much power, and if about it, working to prepare a place, no wonder we can't talk about it. How wonderful will it be? How amazing will it be? There, there is something better than this world and is prepared for those people who have believed the gospel. It says you've heard you. This message of the gospel, the fact that Jesus died, he rose again, and, and he is alive, and by faith in him we can come back into relationship with God. It says it's come to you, and indeed in the whole world it's bearing fruit and increasing as it also does amongst you. So this gospel is powerful. What makes all the difference is this message of salvation, this gift of God, and it works everywhere for everyone who will believe. Doesn't, you can hear the gospel in another language and not even speak English. And it can transform your life. You, you can hear the gospel in a different culture and it, it will transform your life. The gospel is the word of truth and it bears fruit. Is it bearing fruit in your life? It says it bears fruit and it is increasing. See, that the gospel, the truth is either growing in our lives or it's not there. We're either growing to be more like him or we have a different gospel. There's either grace and mercy that we receive and, and power or not. And it says, it has come, it's bearing fruit in all the world since the day that you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. See, there must be an understanding. See, and I, I want to, remember I talked about the instruction book. There's an understanding that you have to have. And you say, well, I don't understand the gospel. I don't understand the Bible. Talk to God about that. There's more stories about people who are even illiterate learning how to even read as God guided them into his word. And we need to understand because when we understand the grace of God in truth, it does bear fruit and it is always increasing. It said, just as you learned it from Epipharis, our fellow beloved servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made... Only a few people get to have their names in this book. And you may never even remember this guy's name. But just to think is that when he, his name was in the Bible, the Holy Spirit led Paul to describe him as a beloved fellow servant. Man, I, I, I hope if I was alive back then that I don't expect to have been in the book. But if I was, I can't think of a better thing. And then it says he's a faithful minister. Faithful minister. Again, that idea of faithfulness. So this guy went, he shared the gospel, they grew in the knowledge of God, and then they brought back he brought back a report to Paul. That's where this letter's coming from. 
He says, Paul, they've believed it's bearing fruit, it's increasing, they're, they're growing in the knowledge of God, and they love people. We know that the gospel is working because there's a love that is coming out of these people. And you'll know, and here's the test. Do you want to know if the gospel is working in your life? Is there a love that is beginning to come out? Is there a desire to serve? And is there, there joy in that service? People that know the gospel find incredible joy in serving. And I'm not talking about just serving in a church. I'm talking about serving their spouse, serving their kids, their neighbors, their friends. There's, there, there's this love that happens because when you believe the gospel, you realize all that you've been given. And it makes you happy. And you have so much, you're so full that it's easy to share. Can't, people that are, you don't have, but you understand and experience true love in Christ. A little bit more and then we have some food. Is the food here, brother? Yes? Is that a thumbs up? I'm old in my eyes. Yes. All right. I think it was up. Anyways. It says, so from the day that we heard it, verse 9, so from the day we heard it, we have not ceased to pray for you. In August, we're going to start 21 days of prayer. I'm giving you a few weeks to think about this and prepare and to check your heart about this. But it says, we have not ceased to pray for you. Paul's never stopped praying. Until they took his life, I think he was praying for others. And then what are they praying? You want to know the types of prayer that Paul prayed? It says, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. How many times have you talked to somebody that they just, I don't know what God's will is. I just don't know what God's plan is. I just, I just don't know. It's not how it should be. We should know. And if you say, but I don't, then do two things. Read and pray. And if you have any energy up for a third, talk about the scripture with others. Find a faithful brother, a faithful sister that you can read through it together. That's what small groups do. That's why it's important. That's why I'd love to see more of you on a Wednesday when, when we can read through the scripture together and discuss it and say, well, how does that really work today? And what does he really mean? Because I'm going to tell you, learning is not just listening. Sometimes it's discussing. Verse 10 will be the last verse. This was really the only verse I wanted to get to today, or the, the reason we were doing this chapter. It says, so that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Worthy of Fully pleasing? To walk worthy of the Lord. It would take a miracle to be fully pleasing to God. But God does miracles today. And when we pray for each other, and we learn, and when we disciple, and when we grow... We can experience that. We can walk in a way that pleases God, fully pleasing. Is anybody else tired of disappointing God? Does anybody else just get frustrated when, when you know not to do something and you do it anyway? Or you do something, something comes out, 
And you're like, I thought that was dead. I thought that was gone. We need to be praying for each other. To walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing. This next part is so important. Don't miss it. Don't check out. I know it's, I've been talking for 29 minutes. But give me another minute. Bearing fruit. God wants you to bear fruit. From what I know about plants that bear fruit, they need roots, they need water, they need nutrients. But don't they also need other plants? Don't they have to be pollinated? Don't the bees, I mean, I'm not a whatever that ologist would be that knows this stuff, botanist, insectologist. I just made that up, but use that. I'm not one of those, but I know that the entomologist, thank you, dear. I'm just kidding. But don't you know that one bee, he flies to one thing, he eats that, he goes to the other, he drops it in there. That's why faithful brotherhood is important. That's why being in a church and not just sitting in a chair and being a part of that group of people, it pollinates. And I'm going to tell you how that works because Kevin shows up and he shares a testimony. Or he, he shares a testimony but not in an official way. He says something like, man, I was going to get this job, but it just didn't work out. So God knows. I'll just wait. And then I hear that, and it pollinates. It does something in me where I'm like, oh, and, and something grows. Fruit begins to be born. And then it says, an increasing in the knowledge of God. Church, my prayer for you right now is that you would be filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding that you would all walk, that we would all walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, that we in this building in Lakeside Church would be fully pleasing to Him, that we, the people sitting in your chair, would be someone who bears fruit in every good work, that no matter what the good work is, that you have the ability to be a part of that, and that you would increase in the knowledge of God. In verse 11, this is a prayer and it's in the Bible. It's both. That we would be strengthened with all power. What power? All of it. Power for whatever you need. With all power. According for His glorious might. That we would have endurance and patience with joy. Would you bow your heads for a second? Would you, would you, would you close your eyes? Would you just... I, that was a prayer and I meant it even though I was reading it out of the Bible that's okay to do but my question is is there anybody here as you've been sitting you've, you've said you know what I, I haven't been fully pleasing I haven't been walking in a manner worthy of the Lord I, I haven't been bearing fruit and in fact I, I, I haven't been growing in my knowledge of God maybe I've been shrinking and you'd like to admit that and you'd like that to change by God's grace. Amen. Hands have already started to go up. If that's you, just say, you know what? I, that has not been me, but I want it to be me. Heavenly Father, work in us. in us with all power. God, help your word to bear fruit in us and through us. And transform us. God, help us to walk in a manner that is pleasing to you, that is worthy of you. 
But God, it's going to take a miracle because we're all messed up and we're all weak and we've all made mistakes. So we need mercy, Lord. We need grace. We need peace. And we need your transformative power, God. Change us. Transform us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me, church? My prayer for you is that you figure out a way to be fruitful. You figure out a way to be faithful. You figure out a way to endure. Hey guys, I'm Bob. <laughs> <laughs>